if you're already pouring into your family, into your team members and into your clients right now, imagine how much more you could pour into them if you were functioning at 100%. So one of the things is to basically run your body almost like a business. Not in every not in every facet, but in that facet of organization. A lot of times with business, you schedule key meetings. Why don't we schedule our exercise sessions? Um, you're very dialed in and precise. You have metrics that you that you keep up with in business. Why don't we have key metrics in our health? A lot of times in business, we're very we're much more proactive instead of reactive. Why don't we apply that same philosophy? with our health to be more proactive instead of reactive. So those are a few things right there. And then we can, when you combine those things, that helps you be a little more precise. Because a lot of times we follow fads that maybe don't fit our psychology and don't fit our lifestyle. And so we're forcing ourselves to do something that is incongruent with who we are and incongruent with our lifestyle. And that creates friction. And that's where you get this battle between fitness and business. Whereas if we take a little time to do a little intel work, to really dial in our strategy, we can have those things mesh with each other and feed off of each other. Welcome to another episode of the Leading to Fulfillment podcast, where everything we talk about is meant to encourage people-first leaders, empower individuals to achieve fulfillment, and to help your organizations become places people love to work. I'm your host, James Laws, and I have a great show in store for you. My guest for this episode is Julian Hayes II. Julian is an executive health consultant and epigenetic Atelier, and the host of the Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs podcast. He's the founder of The Art of Fitness and Life. This bespoke concierge health and performance advisory firm helps entrepreneurs and executives and entrepreneurs live longer, richer, and healthier lives. On an organizational level, the firm helps companies elevate their bottom line through precision performance longevity. In my conversation with Julian, we discuss the hardware and software of our lives, the impact of the success paradox, how busy people can get started making a change in their health, the multiple advantages of prioritizing your health, and how sleep impacts your health goals and your professional goals. But before we get into all of that, I want to invite you to subscribe to the Leading to Fulfillment podcast in your favorite podcast tool. We're on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or you can even watch us over on YouTube anytime. If we aren't in your favorite place to consume podcasts, just let me know and I'll make sure to fix that right away. Now, let's jump into my conversation with Julian Hayes II. Julian, thank you so much for being on the Leading to Fulfillment podcast. Thank you for having me, James. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I am. I'm really excited for today's episode. I think there's some things that I can learn. I I am not the healthiest person in the world, but I have always been trying to get healthier. I know it's if I want to sustain what I hope to accomplish as far as my goals and my bigger goals, I, I need to do that. Uh, you de- describe yourself as an executive health consultant and an epigenetic atelier. Now, I can totally connect with what an executive health consultant Uh is, but perhaps so that the audience can get to know you a little bit more, what exactly is an epigenetic 
Atelier. It's funny using the word atelier. I didn't know what the word was at first <laughs> neither. So I, I randomly had a meeting with a guy on Lunch Club. It's it's I get it's like a social networking app. And so I do I do this every so often. And I was talking about what I do. And he's like, You're an atelier. And I was like, What? I had trouble saying this. I had to go to Google to start learning how to pronounce <laughs> it. That's the first thing, right? So and then and then I was like, Oh, okay, that makes sense. So atelier is basically like an artist in a workshop. And as I was talking about what I do, and that's where he got the epigenetic from. And so epigenetics is basically when you hear genetics, we, we've heard genetics are our DNA, but epi means above. So epigenetics means above that gene. And what that gene does is basically, I'm just giving a quick background of what all this, so you understand epigenetics, is yeah. think of the hardware of a computer and think of the software. In this case, our bodies is the hardware. And the software is all the different environmental inputs, whether that's through the way we eat, the way we breathe, the way we exercise, our relationships, our vocation, every single thing that we're interacting with in an environment is communicating with that hardware. Just like a computer program, that software communicates with that hardware. And depending on the type of software and the quality of that, that's going to lead to the outcome of how that hardware performs. And it's the same thing with our human body. So in a nutshell, the human body is basically my workshop is how we got to that. And I don't know, it's, it's, uh, I tell you, it leads to a lot of conversation. So I was like, ah, I'll go with it. Nobody knows what it means. I didn't know what it means, but let's roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it certainly is a conversation starter. It sounds so fancy. Yeah. And so you kind of like, Hey, I need to <laughs> dig into this and understand this a little bit more. Uh, and, and I can definitely appreciate what you're talking about, you know, being someone who owns a tech company and thinking about my own kind of programming, right? I have a hardware, right? My physical body, like I have this like kind of the hardware of my life and there's so much input that I take in software that has been driving the way I operate and the way I act. And some of that is through, you know, the argument of nature and nurture. Some of it is I was born this way. And some of it is I've taken on these habits and these new things uh, to that, that have happened just in life, right? Just experiences that you have. Perfect examples. When I was younger, uh, I had, I was really skinny up until I was in my thirties. I probably weighed 120 to 140 pounds. Uh, I am way more than that now. And when I, what was funny is when I was young, I was very insecure about how skinny I was. And so I learned that if I ate fast, I could eat more, consume more calories so that I would hopefully start to bulk up a little bit and not feel so scrawny and so skinny, so insecure about my, about who I was. Flash forward to my 30s, I built these bad habits of eating really fast and consuming a lot of calories, and my metabolism slowed way down because I switched from having a more active work lifestyle to being more sitting it in front of a computer and kind of doing that kind of grind. And now all of a sudden, I'm gaining weight and it's out of control. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to stop it because I have programmed, I have, I have inserted software, to use your yeah. kind of an analogy, I've inserted software into my life that has made the hardware act a certain way. And it's, uh, it was a challenging, a challenging thing for me that I still struggle with today because of that early programming. Mm -hmm. You're definitely not alone with that. That's, that happens to a lot of us. Um, and a lot of times it's, we're not even aware. So you, you have at least made one of the most critical steps is that you're actually aware of it. And then now you can go about addressing it. But people who are not even aware of that, 
they they have no shot. Yeah. You, a lot of times when you, you know, reading some of your background and some of the stuff that you have out there, I know it's one of the things you touch on quite a bit is this idea of the success paradox. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering what's, what, how do you define, what is the success paradox and how does it affect, say, our health and our mm-hmm. relationships and, and all of these external things in our lives? Well, it's, it's typically been from observation and just talking to people and then trying to find a way to make this stuff concise when you're when you're explaining it and trying to grasp it with yourself. And what I see is basically when someone is starting out in business or even in their career, they're not as in demand yet. And they're on that growth phase. But over the course of time, typically, as we increase our revenue, as we rise up the ranks in our careers, we tend to have more responsibilities in as well. More and more people are depending on us. And that's a good thing. You know, that means we're we're growing as an individual and there comes with that comes pressure as well so that's taking up a lot of our time and then we still have the everyday obligations of a family for some of us or some of us who are wanting to start a family so we still have the personal life as well you add all these things up and the thing that typically gets on the chopping block or relegated to the end of the bench is our personal well-being so a lot of times when we think about why, how do we become unhealthy? How do we gain extra weight? It's never, hardly ever because of just intentional negligence. It's never, it's hardly ever because we're just lazy or that any of those things that you typically hear TV talk about. It's typically because we're benevolent people, we're service oriented people, and we just do a bad job of being selfish and putting ourselves first, but we're pouring into everybody else and just not ourselves. Yeah, you know, I mean, coming back to what we were just talking about, right? That that makes a lot of sense. When I think about my own my own journey in getting less than healthy or not as healthy as I would like to be and not as active as I would like to be. You're right. It wasn't this uh intentional I'm just not going to do anything. It's just your business work. I for what some at one point I was working four different jobs uh trying to kind of function. I was pastoring a church. I was working a job. I was building a business and I was, I had my family and you have all of these things that are going on at the same time. And you're like, where do you find the time? It's not, it's not that I don't want to do it. It's just, I don't feel like I can do it. I don't have the the wherewithal to do it. So I can see getting kind of, kind of caught in this. Like, I think I'm living the life I want to live. I'm building what I hope is a successful life. And then I'm just trapped into this like never ending cycle of not being able to prioritize my health. And it is this kind of catch 22, right? Cause if you don't prioritize your health, all those things that you're working for, you end up, you end up paying, you end up paying, you end up the money that you have earned and, and grow throughout your career, you end up paying it back to get your health back. So it is like you said, yeah. catch 22 and, and it's a, it, <laughs> That's why I, I feel, you know, I, I sympathize. That's why I never really like bash anyone because I, I totally understand it happens because a lot of times a lot of us come from very humble beginnings. And when you have made some success and you built up a certain lifestyle, the last thing you want to do is go back to those humble beginnings because it's not pleasant to be there. It's a step. It's a necessary step for pretty much all of us as part of the journey. But you never want to go back. So you always have that in your mind that if I stop, if I let up. I could potentially lose this and and go back to where I was at the beginning. So I definitely understand the what's going on in people's head. Well, and that, I think that brings up a great question for you is, you know, 
how can your your say you've created some level of success, right? And in doing that, you have heaped upon yourself quite a bit of responsibility, quite a bit of uh, constraint on your time, quite a bit of uh, just urgency. And so you feel like you don't have that time. How can busy leaders getting started on improving their health who want to make a change and saying like, I need to turn the ship around before it gets too late. How can they go about getting started and improving their health? Well, Become more selfish. But what does that look like, being more selfish? I would say being more selfish, intentionally selfish, and not thinking of the word selfish as a bad thing, but thinking of it as something that is good, that is for the greater good. If you're already pouring into your family, into your team members, and into your clients right now, imagine how much more you could pour into them if you were functioning at 100%. So one of the things is to basically run your body almost like a business, not in every act, not in every facet. But in that facet of organization, a lot of times with business, you schedule key meetings. Why don't we schedule our exercise sessions? Um, you're very dialed in and precise. You have metrics that you that you keep up with in business. Why don't we have key metrics in our health? A lot of times in business, we're very we're much more proactive instead of reactive. Why don't we apply that same philosophy with our health to be more proactive instead of reactive. So those are a few things right there. And then we can, when you combine those things, that helps you be a little more precise. Because a lot of times we follow fads that maybe don't fit our psychology and don't fit our lifestyle. And so we're forcing ourselves to do something that is incongruent with who we are and incongruent with our lifestyle. And that creates friction. And that's where you get this battle between fitness and business. Whereas if we take a little time to do a little intel work, to really dial in our strategy, we can have those things mesh with each other and feed off of each other. No, I think that's, that's great. I, you know, I think about the advice I give to uh, my team and leaders all the time who, who struggle with finding the time to really spend time with some margin, thinking about whether or not they're doing the most important work or they're just doing busy work. And I always tell people, you know, if you're like me, once you get into the day-to-day, once you get into the work, it's really hard to just stop and take time for yourself, take time to think, take time to do something else. And so I always kind of advise, like, make that the first thing you do. Before you give anyone else your time, take a slot of time for yourself in the morning and Spend time with some margin. Think about what's important. What are your big rocks for that day? What are the big strategic things you're trying to move forward? What progress do you want to see by the end of the day and set your calendar for those things? On that same wavelength, it seems like for me, I've tried working out at all kinds of different times. I I tend to feel like I'm at my best to work out at like 10 o'clock in the morning. The problem is I know me. Once I get started with work, it's hard for me to just get away and walk away and like, I'm just going to go work out now. (laughs) Like I have the flexibility to do that, Mm -hmm. but I don't have the mental fortitude to do that because I get into a zone working and I want to continue what I'm doing. So I have to take to the very first part of my day and make that the number one priority. So for instance, today I was up at 545 in the morning. Uh, I give myself a little time to just kind of wake up and kind of kind of connect with myself in the morning. And then I get on the treadmill and I run. Like that's that's kind of my routine. But if I don't protect that and if I don't schedule that in the first part of my day, 
there's no way it's getting done because at the end of my day, I am way too tired to want to jump on a treadmill and go for a run. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, you know, your psychology and you know how you operate. And that's, that's one of the most critical steps you know, as we were talking about is that, you know, for me, I'm a little different. I do not like working out first thing in the morning. Do not enjoy it yeah. at all. Um, for me, my exercise breaks, it's pretty much that it's a, it's a, it's a gap between for me to stop and move on to the next phase of my work day. So if one block is for my deep work, my creative work, and then I'll go do some activity, the next set is probably going to be more along maybe some admin stuff, maybe some email stuff, maybe some calls and, and that sort of thing. And, and for me that, cause I know for me, I early afternoon is some of my best work. And maybe like from the 12 to three ranges. I, I like working at that time, which is a little different. Really? And yeah. And then some, yeah. and then sometimes I, I can go work out in the evening and that's really to kind of help me decompress from the day. And then when I go about, the, and if I'm going out or meeting people for dinner, I can kind of be a little more chill because I've let out all the, if I had any frustration or whatever, anything on my mind, it's been ran out. Or boxed out, yeah. During on in the box and <laughs> the, the heavy bag, so um, it's it's different for it's different for all of us. And like it's, the exercising serves different purposes for some of us. So for me, it's releasing pent up energy. It's releasing a little anxiousness that I may have. And for others, it's it's therapeutic. So it, it represents a lot of different things. And I think when you know that and what's the purpose of the exercising for, I think that's going to help you schedule it as well. And it's also going to help you stick with it probably a little easier than if you're just thinking something like just wait or something. Now we're all different, but for most I've seen, if you can attach it to concrete things, a, a, a little more substance that are very meaningful to you, that's going to usually help you make it a priority, even if you don't want to do it. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And, and it's, you talk about like what meaning and what do you get out of the working out, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously I work out cause I'm trying to get healthier, mm -hmm. right? I want to lose weight. I want to build my cardiovascular health. Like those are things that I, I know that are important for me. I have a seven year old and I want to keep up with him. And mm -hmm. so I need to get on the treadmill and run. <laughs> uh, so that's one of the reasons, but the reason I run, the reason I chose running, right. Is cause when I do, you know, almost a decade ago when I was running, I, I remember like going for a long run and it cleared my mind. Like I was more creative after a run. Absolutely. I don't know if it was just all those endorphins and everything that were firing off, but I just like everything just kind of emptied my head. All the stuff that I had like, like spinning around, taking up my space so I couldn't be creative were gone. And I had my best ideas when I would go for long runs. And so now I'm just trying to get back to that place where I can actually run for a long period of time outside and really enjoy it. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely can see that. I agree on the running. I picked up the running at the start of the, at the start of our pandemic. So maybe two years ago, that's when I, I, I picked up running. Cause typically my training has been the opposite of that. Cause I played basketball and then, so, and then I boxed. And so everything yeah. I did was explosive work. And so let's go out for a run. Let's, let's just do it and let's see what happens. And then I, I go around and I'm like, man, this feels different. This feels different compared to like lifting weights and boxing. It's a, you know, this is a lot more therapeutic, whereas the other is it's just more primal and I'm letting out aggression. This is, this feels good. And I came back and I felt so clear. I'm like, wow, I understand the runner's high. I understand yeah. how it's addicting. So now I'm addicted now. I mean, it's a little more time consuming. And so now I, cause I have two things now to do, but the running has really helped me in terms of like my mental health. 
that no, I think you're right. And I think different types of workouts will have that impact, right? Mm-hmm. Like I understand I I have a heavy bag. I mine is mostly martial arts that I spend a lot of time doing. And so I spend time on a heavy bag. And you're right. It, like it can relieve tension. It can get kind of let the some of that loose and kind of un let out some of that aggression that you're feeling, perhaps towards things that you don't want to have aggression towards. <laughs> uh let it out on the bag and it can it can feel great. But yeah, the runner, the runner's high of just kind of getting a clear, clean slate, a clean mental slate is just such a powerful, powerful tool. What other than just getting healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's one of the reasons, I mean, if you're, if you're like me and you're listening, you're like, yeah, you know, I'm not as healthy as I could be. I'm not as active as I could be. I sit in front of a computer all day. I want to be more healthy. That's one reason why uh, we encourage our team to be healthy. We, we, you know, I, we encourage leaders to be healthy. What is, an, what are some of the other perhaps advantages of, spending time focusing on your health being a little mm-hmm. more selfish as it pertains maybe even to your greater business. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to you're going to be a better decision maker. You're going to have more executive presence and you're going to be it's going to improve your leadership capabilities and let's look at sleep for example and kind of some of the back end work that sleep is doing. So, we have we have a prefrontal cortex in our brain and when we have our amygdala and when we hear amygdala, it's very primitive. It's one of the oldest parts of our brain. And this is your flight or flight. And it's, um, highly emotional. And our prefrontal cortex is our logic and our reasoning. And when we're sleep deprived, we're going to have increased activity in the amygdala and decreased activity in the prefrontal cortex. So in simple terms, what you're doing there is you're going to have someone who's operating in a much more, emotional state and they're basing everything off their emotions they're going to have a short fuse so maybe you're going to lash out at maybe your partner a little quicker or you're going to be a little more annoyed a little quicker or with your team members you're going to be a little more less empathetic with them and you know and so that's one example right there is just that that activity and that decision making right there and then when i think about executive presence well you're thinking about you know, like when I, when I say executive presence and there's an image with that, it's not necessarily being, you know, super muscular and, and, and that's cool and everything, but it's more about the image that you're conveying your posture, the energy that you're giving off, because we can feel that, you know, that is an unspoken communication because only 7% of our communication is actually verb verbal where the other 90%, 93% is unspoken. And whether we like it or not, we live in a world that does a lot of first impressions based off how we yeah. present ourselves when we first come on. And if you can maximize that, that's going to help you get business, especially if you're at the early stages where you need every advantage that you can to get in the door. And it's going to help that gravitas as well. And I don't remember the studies off the top of my head. I wrote about it a long time ago where about exercise is a competitive advantage with that because exercise does help that executive presence. It helps the gravitas. It helps your confidence. And of course, it's going to help your posture. And I think Dr. Amy Cuddy, I think she did a TED talk or something like that about the power posing and, and posture and everything. And I also think about brain development and cognitive health and what that does when you exercise. When you think of cognition, there's a lot of key areas. And one of those is memory. And Entrepreneurs like Steve Jobs and I think various musicians and even writers have made famous the walking meetings. So that is a simple way right there to, if you're looking for an extra way to squeeze some activity in and you're a little Zoom fatigued like I am, schedule some of your calls that doesn't need 
uh, virtual to see each other, just schedule it to where you can go for a little quick 30 minute walk. Instead of just sitting down, you're going for a walk for 30 minutes while you're having this meeting. And so you're knocking two things out at once, but you're also, when you get your body moving in motion, just like what we talked about with the running, your, your, um, your thoughts are clearing up and you, you're going to have ideas come to your head a lot clearer than if you're just sitting static and not moving at all. Absolutely. And, and even if you are virtual, like st- a good slow walk on your treadmill, if you have one, uh, is a great way. Or if you're, you know, if they don't have to be seen and you want to go for a walk around your neighborhood with your headphones on and just have that conversation, you can, you can kind of go out and create some of these opportunities to do, you know, double service, right? Have your meeting and also go out there and go for a walk. And, and that's a real powerful way of doing that. And I love what you had to say about sleep. I, for a long time, you know, we live in a culture where honestly the encouragement to get sleep is, you know, in the entrepreneurial world is kind of foreign, right? We're all in this hustle culture of like, you got to work and you got to work harder than everyone else is working if you want to stay ahead. And we've, bought into that on some level that says like, I got to work harder than everyone else. Therefore I have to, you know, push and push and push and push. And that means what, where do you give? Well, we give away our exercise. We give away our sleep. Uh, a few years ago, I made a decision that I, I determined through <laughs> trial and error that I need at a minimum consistently seven hours of sleep. I can, I can seven hours above seven hours. I can, I have a hard time sleeping beyond seven hours, but I need at least seven hours sleep. And so now I've just, I, that's my schedule. I put it in and I just, I give myself seven hours of sleep, uh, very, very, uh, strictly. I don't, I don't bend on that a lot because I know what you talked about, right? There's this cognitive deterioration throughout the day. When you start stringing together a lack of sleep, you don't, make decisions as quickly. You don't carry yourself with confidence. You don't carry yourself with any sense of authority when you step into the room. And honestly, you sometimes come across as indifferent because you're thinking about a million other things because you don't have the cognitive strength Mm -hmm. to separate and be present in the moment because you you gave up that will when you gave up that sleep. And so I think that's a real powerful thing for people to hear. Yeah. You know, like you mentioned right there, you're essentially operating if you picture yourself like a iphone battery you're essentially instead of starting the day fully in the green in the high 90s which you're percent you're pretty much starting maybe like at 50 percent, 51 percent, and you have a full day to get through and so obviously that battery is going to get drained a lot quicker and so when it comes time to yep. for a very important decision you're in the red and you're not operating and a lot of things that sometimes people don't realize or haven't put two and two together is sometimes our our weight struggles and our health struggles is from sleep because going back to the decision-making thing, if your decision-making is a little off and those two areas of the brain are a little off and there's more as well, you're much more likely to make impulsive decisions because you're not operating out of that prefrontal cortex of logic and reasoning. So when we're making impulsive decisions, I've never seen anyone impulsively grab, go for a banana or go for a cup of broccoli or go for anything like that. No, they're going to go for something that is is sweet and offers some pleasure to their life and comforting foods. And typically what's convenient and comforting is typically not ideal for our goals and uh, when it comes to health. There's a place and time for those things absolutely. I'm not a, I'm not a super militant person with that, but typically when we're in that state, 
that's also a reason why that we can struggle with our health and uh, our weight is because we're sleep deprived as well. And that's leading to like a, a chain reaction down the line of our food decisions are not as ideal as well. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's, it's so, I mean, I, I don't reach for those things intentionally, so you can imagine how much I might reach for the other (laughs) unintentionally. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a definitely a real struggle. Here's the thing I know as an entrepreneur myself, I don't have this problem. My head hits a pillow. I can be asleep within five minutes. No problem. That has always been kind of my superpower. I can fall asleep under any circumstance, anywhere, without issue. That might be a medical problem, but I like to think of it as a superpower. (laughs) Now, I know a lot of people in my life, uh, both my business partners, people who work with me uh, and others who, when they try to get to bed, like it takes them hours sometimes to fall asleep. Their, Their minds are just so noisy, so busy that they can't seem to get that rest that they need. What are some suggestions you might have to help people who struggle with that kind of uh, consciousness at night when they're trying to go to sleep to get better, quicker, more restful sleep. Yeah, it could be a multitude of things right there because I'm, I'm kind of like you. It, it typically takes me maybe 10 minutes or so to fall asleep when I really focus on it. And I have a wearable that, t- that tells me as well. So um, that's 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 helpful as well. Now, the obvious one is caffeine and and excess caffeine consumption in coffee. And that can, there's a lot of things with different caffeine in there. Some of us metabolize coffee a, lo- a little slower. And so I have genetics that's a slower metabolizer. So I stop my caffeine consumption, whereas the typical half-life you could say is about maybe six to eight hours. I usually extend mine to about 12. So probably around tw- noonish, one o'clock, I stop my caffeine consumption if I'm on good behavior, which sometimes most of the time I'm not, but I should. <laughs> I-, I get lucky in that I exert myself a lot through my working out. So that helps me fall asleep. Sure. That helps me fall asleep. And so after we get past the caffeine consumption, I'll just rattle off, rattle off a few things. Um, one of the other things is our dinner, t- our last meal from when we go to sleep. So a lot of times what I've seen is that, and for me, typically I need at least two hours in between my last meal and before I go to sleep. And that's helped my sleep quality um, increase just from the measurements and data that I accumulated for others. I I would typically say between two to three hours between your last meal to sleep. And the reason why is because digestion is an act. It takes energy. It's an activity that's going on in your body. And if you're trying to sleep as well, that's two competing forces with each other. The next thing is I would look at the blue light consumption. So a lot of times what are we consuming close to bedtime? If it's very stimulating light, then what that doing, that blue light is suppressing melatonin, which we want to secrete at night, and it's increasing cortisol, which is cortisol is keeping us awake. Now, obviously, in the daytime, you want the inverse of that. And a quick fix, a quick fix for that is to get blue blocking glasses or to, there's a free software called Flux, and you can download it. And what it will happen is as the sun goes down, wherever you're located at, your screening will start to dim as well. And the only thing is if you do design work, just be mindful of that. So your colors are not, <laughs> so your colors are not a little janky. So I always, just, I always, just, cause I had one person who was a designer and I, I guess I didn't give the warning. And so he's like, look, my colors were way off. I, I was, <laughs> so I, 
so I always try to give the warning now about that just to make sure and keep that in mind. So we have those two things and I always have a re I have a priming routine, which is the first 90 minutes when I wake up and I have a regeneration routine, which is the last 90 minutes before going to bed to get myself in a state of mind for sleep. So, cause I, I had the, the thing where my head is always just circulating with a bunch of, um, different things. And so for me, what I did was I've, I, this is very individualistic. So I had things that helped me relax and that brought comfort and relaxation to me. So for me, it's, it's peaceful music. It's, um, taking a shower, sometimes even including the bath as well. It's doing a little light stretching and then it's doing a little reading. It's having my day planned out. It's having tomorrow planned out as well. So I don't have to go to bed anxious of like, what am I going to do? What all I have to do? I know exactly what I have to do tomorrow. Everything's fine. And then it's also me meditating as well. That's a very hard thing for me because I'm the opposite. That was probably the, the most difficult habit to establish was mindfulness meditation work because you're just sitting there and I like to always be doing something. And I'm like, you just, <laughs> you just want me to sit there and just, just sit there and breathe. But that's really been beneficial to my life is, and another one in terms of helping your sleep quality, which might sound a little weird is mouth taping. So I mouth, so I take my mouth shut at night and um, there's different companies that have mouth tape designed for that. I, so I'm not just getting scotch tape or anything like that. So, and <laughs> cause I noticed when I woke up in the morning, I had dry mouth and, or I, I had a lot of awakenings at night. And so when I started mouth taping, my sleep quality increased. I, I could get by on less sleep than, so to get myself in the green on my wearable, it takes less now because of the quality sleep I get. So I get a lot more impactful sleep, a lot more REM sleep, a lot more deep sleep. And if you, if it's possible, I would start, get some kind of light in the morning to get your circadian rhythm aligned. So get some, some kind of light from the sun and some, and you don't have to be out there long, just, just a little bit of light to kind of get the melatonin, get the melatonin suppressed and the cortisol going. And then also to keep your sleep times and your wake up times close, pretty consistent. Now, I understand sometimes we'd like to have fun or whatnot. So you're not going to always be going to sleep at the same time every night. But for the most part, keep those times as close together as well because you put your body in its, in a rhythm. And the body – and we heard a jet lag. But when you don't do that, you get something called social jet lag as well, which can throw you off your sleep as well. And those are probably some of the lifestyle things. Now, depending on your genetics, some people have – a little more of a grain sensitivity. Whereas when you eat the grains, they stimulate and they release a lot of more glutamic acid and that keeps people awake a lot. So if that was the case, then supplementing with magnesium could help in particular magnesium glycinate. Cause if you go out in the store, you'll see there's a tons of different forms of magnesium that do different things. So magnesium glycinate helps with relaxation. So I have that at night as well. A lot of great advice there. I always tell people the most important part of your morning routine is your day before nightly routine, right? Like if you want to set your day up for success, fix the night before. 
because that's ultimately what sets your next day. So getting to bed at a decent time for some, like I don't have the caffeine issue. I can drink, uh, you know, a soda or a cup of coffee and literally lay down and go to bed and has no impact on. Oh man. Caffeine just doesn't bother me that way, but it, but I'm unique in that way. Mm-hmm. Most people can't do that. I have my uh, business partner doesn't drink. Ca- he can have caffeine like in the first part of the day, but after 10 a.m., he can't drink it after that because it, it would throw him way off. And it's he already struggles with sleep. It would just make it that much worse. So big, big lesson in there is spend some time learning about you. Spend some time learning about your body. What what are your triggers? What are the things that impact you and are throwing you off? And experiment and iterate on that. Fix your night routine, though. If you fix your nightly routine, you will set your day routine up for huge success. And I think that's really, really good advice. And I appreciate your uh, helping us kind of think through how do we get there. Julian, I want to give you the last word. How can people get in touch with you, learn more about you? I know you have a podcast uh, also that you're doing. Uh, how can they uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, the home base is theartoffitnessinlife.com. And since you're listening to this great podcast and hopefully leaving a review as well after this, go ahead and subscribe over to my podcast, which is Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. Awesome. Julian, thank you so much for joining me on the Leading to Fulfillment podcast today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I truly enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks so much to Julian for being on the podcast, and I hope all of you enjoyed it as much as I did. Everything we mentioned, including a full transcript of the show, is available over on our website, and you can access it anytime by visiting leadingtofulfillment.com slash 019. That's leadingtofulfillment.com slash 019. Also on the website, you can subscribe to our newsletter where we'll let you know when those new episodes become available, as well as send you original and curated content on leadership, managing teams, and finding fulfillment. It's it's really a great resource. Now, when we talk about fulfillment on the show, we are often talking about fulfillment through the work we do or the personal experiences we embrace. But one of the things that sometimes goes unsaid is that ultimate fulfillment comes from within and not from external sources. Those external elements play a role, but they can only impact you from the outside if you've already done the work on the inside. Some of that inside work is greatly impacted by how you take care of your body, your mind, and your emotions. Neglect those, whether unintentionally or on purpose, and finding fulfillment isn't difficult, it's nearly impossible. Take some time to assess the current state of your health. See a doctor and a therapist. Get an idea of where you are right now. And then start being a little selfish and make plans to build and protect your health. Because it doesn't even matter if you find fulfillment, if you aren't around long enough to enjoy it. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me on the next episode. And until then, may your businesses be successful as you lead your teams to fulfillment.